This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. In 1742, explorer Peter Sally discovered coal in what is now Boone County, West Virginia. At the time, the coal industry was small, although coal's use in America dates back centuries to the Native American Hopi tribe. Early American colonists saw the potential for exploiting this natural resource, and by the mid to late 1800s, coal became a cornerstone of the United States economy, fueling the expansion of railroads and providing the much-needed energy required by the Industrial Revolution. In its earliest form, each mining operation worked as a small business, with the mine owner employing a few laborers to extract the coal. But as these businesses grew, and began operating multiple mines near a centralized location, often around a rail depot. Towns emerged to cater to the growing population of workers and their families. Nineteen twenty-four saw the peak of the coal industry, with over eight hundred and sixty thousand miners employed. But just as many other industries do, the popularity of coal began to wane as it was gradually replaced by oil. As a result, entire communities built around the business of coal disappeared. In the New River Gorge of West Virginia, dozens of towns did exactly this. The most prosperous of them all was Thurmond, a town built to take full advantage of an economic boom, but today is nothing more than abandoned buildings left in the wake of its bust. My name is Brandon Schecksneider, and you're listening to Southern Gothic.
William Dabney Thurmond was born on November 11, 1820, in Amherst County, Virginia. In his 20s, he migrated west with his father's family to Fayette County and settled near Arbuckle Creek in what was then Virginia, but would eventually be part of the state of West Virginia. During the Civil War, Thurman joined the Confederacy and served in his own brother Philip's company, a cavalry unit known as the Partisan Rangers. This passionate group of soldiers relied heavily on the guerrilla warfare tactics commonly seen in mountainous terrain. And while William survived his service, rising to the rank of captain, his brother Philip did not. Philip Thurman was fatally shot through the abdomen during a firefight in Winfield, West Virginia in October of 1864. And as if this tragedy was not enough to bolster William's future reputation as a, quote, unreconstructed rebel, his family home was also torched by Union troops in 1863, forcing his family to leave Fayette County, unable to return for almost a decade. So once the war ended, William Thurmond refused to sign the Oath of Allegiance to the United States. Though the destruction wrought during the Civil War had forced the Thurmond family from Fayette County, they eventually returned in the early 1870s and built a home in Minden, West Virginia. William took a job as a surveyor for a man named John Bauer, but the economic environment of Reconstruction caused Bauer to be unable to pay him in cash. So in April of 1873, Thurmond received 73 acres of land as compensation for his work, compensation that would dramatically shape Captain Thurmond's future, because this particular piece of land, located on the north side of the New River, had a railroad running through it. The Chesapeake and Ohio Railway, also known as the CNO, was established in 1869 in Virginia with the consolidation of several smaller railway lines. Within four years, the CNO expanded west from Richmond through the New River Gorge before reaching the Ohio River, ending at Hawk's Nest Junction in Fayette County. Captain Thurman was an ambitious man, and he knew the potential value of his property due to this rail line. The coal industry was growing in the mountains of West Virginia, and with it, the potential for significant wealth. Coal was already being transported down the Arbuckle and Dunlop Creeks, but Thurman realized that if a town with a train depot was built at a railway junction, more families would be enticed to the area, and more families meant more coal mining, resulting in even greater use of the railway junction 
causing a cycle of exponential economic growth. Thurman's land was in a prime location for both the coal and rail industries. So the CNO Railroad not only built their depot there, but also made plans to construct a bridge over the new river. The road beside this line soon became the main street for a new community, which Captain Thurman named Arbuckle. He then began to build houses that could be rented by CNO workers and the families. By 1875, there were 75 people who called Arbuckle home. As expected, this increasing population gave rise to two general stores and offices for two coal companies. But its centralized location to the region's numerous coal mines also attracted a Western Union office, which provided modern communication and money transfers as well as offices for the Adams Express Company, which specialized in freight transport. It was at this point that Captain Thurman applied to have a post office built in his new community. He submitted the application under the name Arbuckle, but it was rejected. And by the time the government eventually granted his request, the West Virginia community had been renamed after its patriarch, Thurmond. The town of Thurmond began to see exponential growth and prosperity, catalyzed by the completion of the Southside Junction Railroad Bridge. At least a dozen new mines had sprung up in surrounding areas, all of which were shipping coal through the town. But it wasn't just coal traveling the rails. People rushed to the town as well, hoping for a chance to work and profit in the burgeoning coal business. And just as Captain Thurman had hoped, the cycle of economic prosperity began, and the CNO was now hauling everything from food furniture, clothing, and equipment to and from his upstart town. In the book, Historical Notes on Fayette County, West Virginia, author Shirley Donnelly wrote of the town's newfound prosperity. At one time, there was more freight handled there from the CNO than any other depot between Richmond and Cincinnati. By all accounts, Thurmond was growing rapidly. But there was one quirk about this community that made it different from other mining or railroad towns of the day. Captain Thurmond was a strict Baptist, and as a result, he pressed his town to conform to such beliefs, specifically by prohibiting both gambling and the sale of liquor. When the town opened its first hotel in 1891, many of its visitors were surprised and likely upset 
by this lack of traditional entertainment. But one man, Thomas G. McKell, saw an opportunity to profit from them. So McKell purchased property across the river from Thurmond and built what would soon become the most famous landmark of the region, the Dunglin Hotel. The Dunglin was a three-story wooden building with a double-decker porch surrounding three sides, and it boasted a hundred rooms for rent. Yet McKell's intention was not to cater to your standard coal miner. The average cost of a one-night stay at the Dunglin was $2.50, more money than a working-class miner made in a week. Instead, the rooms were booked by rich coal operators who were looking for a place to play. Soon enough, the Dunglin earned the nickname Little Monte Carlo for the vice it offered. From gambling and liquor to dancing girls and prostitutes for hire. In 1901, when Thurman was incorporated and the sale of liquor was officially outlawed, McKell responded by extending his own property line, ensuring the prosperous hotel stayed on his land, where he decided what could and could not be outlawed. As a result, an entire area of town began to spring up around the Dunglin, which became known as Ballyhack or Southside. There was a grocery and dry goods store, shoe shop, furniture store, bank, and even a mortuary. But what made Southside truly flourish were those things it offered that Thurman did not. Every Saturday, trains arrived at the Thurman train depot, filled with both working girls and men looking to gamble. And while the Dunglin catered to high-end clientele, saloons for miners themselves became plentiful. It was well known that after being paid on Saturday evening, miners from Thurmond crossed the river to fill such Southside establishments as the Bear Willow, Stackale Drive and Dance Hall, and the Black Hawk, where whiskey was sold for 10 cents a drink or a dollar a quart. Of course, with such open acceptance of excess and vice, the Southside gained a reputation for, quote, exuberant lawlessness. Unfortunately for Captain Thurmond, this notorious reputation became attached to the community he had built. However, he was rewarded handsomely through the booming economy it helped create. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
Alright, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The town of Thurman saw the height of its status in the first decade of the 1900s as its population and economy boomed. At one point, there were more than 25 mines operating nearby in the New River Gorge area, resulting in an immense amount of coal traveling through Thurmond. At this point, the town earned more transport revenue than any other on the CNO Railway, and the additional presence of rich coal barons brought prosperity to the town's banks, which quickly became the richest in the state. Captain Thurman's ambitious undertaking had proven fruitful. During the height of Thurman's boom, 15 passenger trains came through daily, serving as many as 95,000 passengers a year. Yet with every boom town, there eventually comes a bust. In 1909, the Virginia Railroad began offering competitive railway options, putting them in direct competition with the Chesapeake and Ohio Railroad, directly affecting the economy of Thurmond. This was then compounded five years later when prohibition became law in 1914, effectively wiping out much of Southside's prosperous businesses. By 1917, the emergence of roads in the area also began to take a cut of the railroad's profit. Yet Thurmond did not adapt. The town's only connection to the outside world was the single CNO railway. In 1921, a single-lane bridge was finally constructed across the New River, giving cars access to the town for the first time. But at this point, it was too late. The population was already rapidly falling. Then, in July of 1930, the iconic Dunglin Hotel was destroyed by fire and the blaze was deemed arson. Edna Widener, the proprietor of the Lafayette Hotel in Thurmond, was indicted for the crime with the motive to eliminate her competition. Widener was eventually acquitted of the charges. However, two men who were also charged for their involvement 
Charles S. Davis and Paul Young were not so fortunate and were sentenced to five and one-year sentences, respectively. The Great Depression then came down hard on the already struggling town and the remaining business district eroded. In 1931, the once-rich National Bank of Thurmond closed, and by 1938, the town also lost the Armour Meat Company, the New River Banking and Trust Company, and the district offices of the CNP Telephone Company. By the end of the Depression, the only major industry left in Thurmond was the railroad, but even that would not last. The final nail in the coffin came in 1840, when the CNO Railway purchased its first diesel engine and began phasing out its steam engines. Thurman's once prosperous steam engine repair shop was now obsolete, and with diesel trains no longer requiring the refueling of water and coal, there was no longer a need to even stop in the town. By 1950, the city of Thurman, West Virginia, was a virtual ghost town. Today, the National Park Service owns roughly 80% of the town of Thurmond, including the historic train depot, which is all now part of the New River Gorge National Park. In 1995, the depot was renovated and repurposed into a visitor center. Although trains still operate and roll through Thurman daily, only Amtrak passenger trains continue to make use of this historic depot. Stopping in the town a mere three times a week. The town has also been designated a historic district on the National Register of Historic Places. Numerous abandoned buildings still line Thurman's Main Street, which runs parallel to the once thriving railroad, all of which are now overseen and preserved by the National Park Service. there is one thing that is noticeably absent from such a prime example of a ghost town. Tales of ghosts themselves. For as rich and bustling as Thurmond ever became, it never had a permanent population of more than 500. So while the skeletons of its past are in clear view today, the stories within their walls have been lost to time. My name is Brandon Schecksneider, and you've been listening to Southern Gothic. Southern Gothic is an independently produced podcast created by siblings Brianne and Brandon Schecksneider with the support of listeners like you. 
If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to receive even more content, including ad-free episodes, head over to our Patreon page today. The link is in the show notes. Lucky Lady Shacks. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Let Mysteries at Midnight be your destination for detective whodunits and captivating mystery stories. You'll hear classic stories like Sherlock Holmes, Agatha Christie's Poirot, and short tales from H.G. Wells, Charles Dickens, Edgar Allan Poe, and others. I'm Christopher, and I read these classic stories in the soothing style of a bedtime story, so you can listen to them in bed when you drift off to sleep. Search for Mysteries at Midnight on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite podcast app, and follow and subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes.